you know, I want to, uh, I want to get straight to the point this morning. And uh, I want to ask us the question, I want to ask us this particular question. What do you think God requires of his church in the midst of this pandemic that has gripped the world today? What do you think God requires of his church? But more directly, what do you believe that God requires of you as a follower of Jesus, as his disciple? You know, we're seeing that our world has indeed changed dramatically. In fact, our lives have changed quite dramatically and they're changing on a very regular basis. Our daily routines have been uh, upended. Uh, Our freedoms have been changed. But the thing is, and even how we do church, as we can see this morning, has changed. Yet we are still called to remember that the mission of the church has not changed. That is one thing that has not changed today. We are still called as God's church to go and make disciples. We are still called as God's church to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and to love our neighbour as ourselves. Many things in our lives have been put on hold, but for the Christian, this mission is not one of them. The battle to try and halt the spread of this particular virus has resulted in many people retreating into their homes. It's meant a number of people putting up the shutters, so to speak, and seeking to ride out the storm as best as they can as, until it's over. But I wonder, is this an option for us as followers of Jesus? You know, one of the questions that I've really been wrestling with myself personally in this last week or two is this. How can I love God and love my neighbour well in the current climate where physical distancing is required? And I think that's a question that we as all Christians should be asking ourselves in this present time. There's a passage I want to direct us to this morning. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. So if you've got your Bibles there at home, uh, please dig them out. Uh, I want to read this passage to you. And I think we're going to actually sort of see, we may even see it up on the screen uh, whilst I read it uh, to us. So Luke 10, verses 25 through to 37. And it reads this way. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, that is Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, this is the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, 
And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn to take care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. I want to make something very, very clear this morning from the outset, and that is this. As we reflect on this particular passage, the primary meaning here has to do first and foremost with salvation. That is how a person is able to be reconciled to God. You know, the question that begins this section is asked of Jesus by an expert in the Jewish law, the law of Moses. And he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, how can I be saved? Of course, Jesus, uh, in, a, in a manner which he does on numerous occasions, actually answers this man's question with a question of his own. And he says to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it or how do you understand it? See, this man's whole life was centered around interpreting and teaching the law of God. So Jesus wants to know what his knowledge or what, you know, what his own knowledge of the law reveals to him about how to inherit eternal life. The man answers, quoting, quoting Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. And he sums up the whole purpose of the law in these two verses, as does Jesus later on in, in passages like Mark 12 and Matthew 22. Upon hearing the man's response, Jesus tells him that he has answered correctly and says if he does this, that he will indeed inherit eternal life, that he will know the salvation of God. Now an important point here we need to understand is that Jesus is not teaching a theology of salvation by works. You know, that is that a person can earn salvation by doing certain things or living in a certain way. And we're going to see this uh, shortly. It's interesting that as Jesus says to him, you know, how do you interpret the law? And he says, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. The man comes back to Jesus and he asks him another question. He says, well, Jesus, if that's what I'm to do, then who is my neighbour? It's a, it's, a, it's a strange kind of question. I think we've got to think a little bit, you know, behind why this man would be asking this particular question. I believe that it appears that he wants to actually try and nail Jesus down to being more specific about whom he should love. Because he's saying, if I am to love my neighbour, then tell me, who is it that actually qualifies to be my neighbour? And in asking that question, we see something of this man's heart in that it would appear that this man believes that, you know, surely not everyone deserves his love, that not everyone qualifies to be his neighbour, that he only needs to love only certain people. And so Jesus answers him by telling him this particular parable, this, this story about everyday life which, uh, that, that mirrors or demonstrates a spiritual reality. 
that can only be seen and understood with those of ears and hearts of faith. Of course, this parable is probably one of the very most well-known parables, whether you, you know, have been in churches or not in churches throughout your life. Many, both, both believers and unbelievers alike, would know portions of this particular parable. As we've seen, it tells the story of a man who is traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. The reason it says down to Jericho is that Jerusalem is up on a, on a mountain, and wherever you travel from Jerusalem, you always went down to other places. He was traveling down to Jericho, and on his journey, we read that he is set upon by a band of robbers, and these robbers beat him, they strip him, they, uh, they rob him of all of his uh, possessions, and they leave him, half, leave him on the side of the road half dead dead and it so happens that uh, as this man is laying there we are told that uh, that that a priest comes traveling down that very same road and as the priest comes down that road he sees this man in his uh, beaten up and and in in his terrible uh, you know condition there on the side of the road and we're told that the priest walks he, he changes he walks to the opposite side of the road and passes this man by without giving him any attention whatsoever Likewise, a Levite. Uh, Levites were those who, uh, whom the priests were often that, that particular tribe of Israel that the priests came from, but Levites also helped serve in the temple, and so they were sort of assistants to the priests, and so they too were very religious people. And uh, we are told that this Levite also, when he came across this man, walked by him on the other side of the road. But when a Samaritan came across this man, we're told in verse 33 that he had compassion on this man. He had compassion on him. He was moved in his heart, in his gut, if you like, or in his spirit to do something to help. And we're told that he attends to the man and he offers the best aid that he could there on the side of the road. He gives the man oil and, uh, and wine, and, and oil and wine in that days was kind of like a soothing and a, a balming kind of uh, things that would help to sort of help disinfect some of the wounds, uh, clean some of the wounds up. We're told that he puts this man then on his donkey, and he takes him to an inn where he cares for him there. And we're told that uh, the next day that the Samaritan gives the innkeeper a sum of money to continue to take care of this man. And if it was going to cost any more than he gives him, the two denarii that's, uh, that's mentioned here in the passage, that he will indeed reimburse the innkeeper on his return visit. Jesus turns to the expert in the law and asks him, which of these three did he think proved to be a neighbour to the injured man? Who do you think proved to be a neighbour to the injured man? The lawyer replies, the man who show, or the one who showed this man mercy. This lawyer can't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. You know, it's interesting, we find it very difficult today to get the full force of this particular story in our current climate. We struggle to understand the scandal that is associated with this particular parable that Jesus tells because the Jews themselves despised the Samaritans. As far as they were concerned, the Samaritans were the lowest of the low and not deserving of anything. And for Jesus to hold up the Samaritan as the hero in this story would have likely incensed 
those who, who, were, who were able to hear Jesus tell it and particularly would have incensed this teacher of the Jewish law. You know, this story, that this parable that Jesus tells is designed by him to reveal the true state of this man's heart. And indeed, as we read this, it's indeed meant to, to reveal the true states of our hearts as well. It's meant to show this, uh, this man that if he doesn't have mercy in his heart for others, even for Samaritans, then he hasn't fulfilled the law of God and therefore is not saved. Now, as I said before, a person is not saved by what they do. However, a person's actions and attitudes certainly point to the state of their spiritual condition. Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength means admitting, firstly, that his ways are right, not our ways. It means submitting to God's authority and aligning our lives under him and his word. It means accepting that we have nothing in and of ourselves that merit God's favour. It means coming to God on his terms and recognising that we ourselves are deserving of his judgment because we have denied him and gone our own ways. But it's also accepting that Jesus has paid the price for our rebellion and our sin and laying hold of his perfect sacrifice by faith is our only means, our only means of being able to be reconciled to God. And for the person who has truly done this, there will indeed be evidence of a changed life, a growing love for God, for his ways, for his word, and also a growing love for our neighbour. In fact, in 1 John verses, uh, chapter 4 and verse 7, it uh, speaks of the fact that our love for God will indeed be demonstrated by our love for our neighbour, where it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves, and that those around about us, has been born of God and indeed knows God. So getting back to my earlier question, how do we love God and our neighbour well in the current climate that we find ourselves today? Well, can I suggest that we look very much to the example of the Samaritan here in this parable who himself is an example to us of Jesus and his love. You know, the, the Samaritan here in this passage was willing to put himself at risk and to be inconvenienced to care for this injured man. But not only that, he was willing to bear a cost to himself in helping him, both time, money, and resources. You know, in those days where you found a man that was, uh, you know, you may, if you came across a man on the side of the road, they're all beaten up. You know, it could have actually been a trap where these people had sort of put a person there and when someone sort of stopped, then the robbers would jump out from behind the rocks and mug them too. So it was a very dangerous thing to stop and help people in those isolated places. So we can see the Samaritan indeed put himself at risk in looking to care for him. Folks, as followers of Jesus today, we need to be people who are characterised by mercy for others. 
We need to be moved to act in prayerful and practical ways in order to help meet the needs of those around us. In this particular parable, the Samaritan not only sees, but he moves towards the man who is injured. And I wonder today, how can we as God's people indeed move towards others in this climate of physical distancing? Can I suggest that first and foremost, we move towards others firstly in our attitudes, in our attitudes, our inward heart attitude. And in that we should seek to put the needs of others above our own for the sake of Christ. We may not be able to physically assist others or draw near to them, but we can draw near to them in our hearts. We can be moved in our hearts to pray for them. What an enormous uh, privilege and responsibility we have as a people of God to bring one another and those around about us in, in their needs to God before his throne in prayer, to uphold them before God in our prayers, asking God himself to indeed minister uh, to them in whatever ways he chooses. We can indeed be moved not only to pray for them, but to provide resources so that others may be able to assist those around us in our needs. In uh, you know, the current climate where there is a lot of hoarding, a lot of that sort of thing going on, as the people of God, we are meant to be opposite to that. We are meant to be people with open and generous hearts, ready to give to the needs of those around about us. We can also be moved to contact people in, uh, in all sorts of different ways, not particularly maybe from a physical point of view, but through, through phone calls, through video calls, through Facebook and other social media. You know, we've been blessed today with these kind of tools available to us that we can maintain contact with one another. And I pray that we as a church particularly will be looking at doing that. Having said that we should move towards others firstly in our attitudes... Can I say too that for some of us, not all of us, but for some, it may mean though that we put indeed our own safety at risk, although can I clarify, not recklessly. I think of those in our congregation and in other Christian congregations, not only in the Baptist denomination, but other denominations in our country and across our world who are working in healthcare and schools or other frontline services today. We have even just a few people in our own congregation who are working in these, in these particular scenarios. And we need to be praying and upholding them, but we thank God for people like them who indeed are willing to risk or put themselves at risk, their own safety at risk, to indeed minister to those whom God has called them to. Now I know that uh, you know, we have to come before God in this and seek the leading of his spirit. It's not for me to tell you what to do in this regard. But it is indeed God's prerogative to, to, to lead us and guide us and to tell us what to do in this. And we need each and every one of us to come before God, uh, honestly and openly before him, and indeed seek the leading of his spirit in how we can be used by him to help those around about us. Now, I know that there may be some today who think that I'm being irresponsible and foolish in saying things like, you know, we, can, we should even consider putting our own safety at risk. 
But can I remind us this morning of some of the passages of Scripture that we should be considering as we come before God in this particular question. Matthew 25, verse 34 to 40 says this. Speaking of the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the time where Jesus returns in all his glory, he says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Speaking of, obviously, our salvation that is in him. But let me tell you that this, the passage then goes on to speak about how that salvation is worked out in practice. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king, that is Jesus, will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did this, these things to the least of my brothers, you did them also for me or to me. John 13, 34, 35, Jesus says to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Of course, Jesus loved us in a very sacrificial way. And Jesus says, by this kind of love, all people will know that you are indeed my disciples. 1 John 3, 16 to 18 says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Just a quick uh, uh, illustration, if you like. This week, we received an email through the office uh, contact uh, from a person who uh, was desperately in need. They had found themselves homeless had found themselves with literally nothing but the clothes on their back and uh, they were looking for some assistance. Uh, I answered this person's email by uh, saying that, you know, there was, uh, in some ways, we were limited by the assistance we could give. However, there are some ways that we could and I was help, willing, you know, happy to help out in that regard. But uh, the person says, well, that would be great, but I don't have any way of getting to your church to, to receive that. Um, he said, but thanks anyway, and, and, and he ended the email. And I let, it, I let that rest, I, I just let that go for, that to, for about 12 or so hours. And then through uh, Friday night and uh, into early Saturday morning, I wrestled, having pre been preparing this particular message this week on the Good Samaritan, and thinking, how on earth with any integrity can I get up and stand in front of you as our congregation this morning 
and urge you to be ministering to the needs of others when I myself have not taken uh, the time or the effort to actually help this person. And so I got in my car yesterday morning and I drove out to the place where this person said that they were, uh, they were camping and uh, looked all around for them but were unable to find them. And so I came home and I sent back an email. This person's got obviously access to a mobile phone. And I said, were you able to get any assistance at all? Uh, Is there any other ways I can help you? And they said that they had actually received assistance through some of the government authorities and that sort of thing. And so that was was great. The folks, you know, uh, they're the kind of things we have to wrestle with as followers of Jesus uh, in our current context. Now, Jesus himself took on flesh. He took on flesh and entered into our broken and messy world in order to reach down to us and to save us. He incarnated himself and made his dwelling among us. He came and lived with us. The Holy One drew close to sinners. And Jesus calls us as his representatives to model that same drawing near to those around about us, that we might minister Jesus to them. Over the centuries, there have been numerous plagues and pandemics that have ravaged our world. And it has been during these times where most people have sought to distance themselves, uh, where they have sought to uh, perhaps isolate and withdraw from the world. It's in these times where Christians have actually stood out by moving towards those in need and tending to them. And we must not let our fear override our obedience to and our trust in God. But where we can, and without putting the lives of others at risk, I do stress that, we should be willing to be used by God in whatever ways he moves us to. I believe that this particular pandemic gives us even greater opportunity as the church to shine the love and compassion and truth of Jesus into the fear, into the darkness, into the anxieties, into the uncertainties of people's lives around about us. Let me leave you with just a few examples of how we might go about doing this in these days ahead. Uh, This week, uh, I've seen that there has been uh, some little um, leaflets that have been starting to be put around in people's letterboxes, uh, particularly from people in churches. Those particular leaflets are offering um, practical help by offering to run errands, buy groceries, pick up medical supplies or things like that, or even offer a friendly phone call or chat to people in neighbourhoods. These little cards are being put in people's letterboxes and what a great way that we can indeed show the love of Christ through that if we're able to. Perhaps even uh, you, know, you might be willing to look after the children of those who are working in frontline essential services. That may be another practical way. Uh, One practical way is that we ourselves, as followers of Jesus, not stockpile or hoard for ourselves, but instead, as I said before, we are generous with what we have. Of course, this, I believe, is going to be even more of a need as the financial impact of this pandemic hits with an even greater force in our region and in our nation and across the world. 
Perhaps you can. Uh, um, perhaps you might be able to suggest other ways which we can go about doing this. Uh, on the live feed this morning, you might be able to leave comments in the Facebook uh, comments section, and uh, perhaps we can start having this conversation as a church online as how we can practically help those around about us in different ways. So I leave that with us as a church this morning. But folks, can I just say as we close, let's not indeed hide ourselves from the world and from each other. But let's look to Jesus and to his spirit to give us the boldness and the courage and to lead us in ways in which we can help one another. Ways in which we can not only proclaim Jesus, but indeed be his hands and feet to one another and to our neighbours. And in this way, show God our love for him. Let's pray. Lord, today we... uh, we recognise that there is indeed in our world a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of confusion, Lord, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, people who are struggling, Lord, to, uh, to even know, you know where to turn to and what to do next. Lord, I pray that we as your people might indeed be lights in our community, shining the light and the love of Jesus Christ to those around about us. Lord, as Philippians remind us, Lord, help us to shine like stars in the universe, in the night sky. Lord, help us uh, to be equipped by your spirit to, uh, Lord, to offer and to be that help to those around about us where we can. Most importantly, Lord, help us as your people to first and foremost be directed by you remembering that you have not given us a spirit of fear, of timidity, but indeed a power of love, uh, sorry, a a spirit of love, of power and of self-discipline. And so we pray, Lord, that as we go into this coming week, that we might indeed be looking at ways in which we can help and that we can be encouraging others to help and be a neighbour to those around about us. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.